Hi everyone, I'm Dan Harding, Editor-in-Chief of Power Motor Yacht, and welcome back to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. This week, I sit down with Zach Rollins. He's the founder and host of the Along the Keel Podcast, which really takes a look at all sorts of different people that make their living on or near the water. Zach has had all sorts of jobs in the marine industry, including a captain for Tow. And we sit down on my Bertram 28th to talk everything from podcasts to new boaters and everything in between. I hope you enjoy the episode. Zach, welcome to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. Welcome to the Bertram 28 in Essex Island. A lot of, Thank you. A lot of firsts. A lot yeah, of welcome. A lot of firsts. First time in Essex. And I think it's the first time officially on a Bertram 28. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is, this is a big day. And the, yeah. uh, the trip over on the ferry... <laughs> Was okay for you? It was a really long, you know, treacherous waters, <laughs> total of 30 seconds. Yes. It's, yeah. uh, it's a special ride over here to Essex Island. I was blown away by that. We're like, oh, we got to get a ferry. I'm like, really? Sweet. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. Like, get some cool shots and video. and Yeah. You don't need your survival suit for this one. No. It's, uh, you, you could actually spit across. Yeah. But, I think with a long I, but jump. But don't. No, no, no. Yeah. That'd be rude. Yeah. That'd be disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach, you are the founder and host of the Along the Keel podcast. Yep. It's uh, So it's, it's really cool to have you on. I've been introduced. Uh, I've listened to a lot of your episodes now. And you have a really cool thing going. You got this kind of micro dirty jobs meets the marine industry. But also it's also really a business podcast. Can, mm-hmm. can you just give us uh, the elevator pitch real quick? Yeah, so you put it very, very well. Um, I was inspired by a, a two podcasts, mm-hmm. well, two uh, folks, if you will, uh, the how I built this podcast, and Mike Rowe has always mm-hmm. been someone I looked up to since I was really, really young. So, um, you know, I think at, at its core, along the keel is really telling the stories behind the people and the organizations and the businesses that make up our coastline, mm-hmm. right? And the, and just kind of getting the stories that I think would be interesting, but also kind of peeling the curtain back from, you know, what does it mean to be a ferry boat captain or an oyster farmer or own an apparel brand that is significant, right? And that is, at the end of the day, creating change, right? And mm-hmm. this idea of conscious capitalism. So that's kind of the quick little 30-second spiel as to what Along the Keel is, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I, I like it, again, for two reasons. It's the, I love business podcasts, and you get to hear a lot of origin stories about how people started their own companies, mm-hmm. and that's really appealing to me. But then I feel like I have a better understanding of different people that work the water, and I think that's I think that's just super important. You know, understand, you know, what these oyster farmers are doing or, you know, these different fishermen or what it's like to be a delivery captain or mm-hmm. a fishing charter captain. It just it kind of opens your eyes to what everyone's kind of doing out there yeah yeah thanks yeah it's been a lot of fun and you know i always call it um because at at my core i've always been pretty entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. and um you know at the time when i started this i was kind of looking for that little niche like what can i do what can i really kind of chew into again because i've always had these little projects right and uh decided to start a podcast. And through that, I was like, you know what, I won't really want to peel back the curtain and learn more. And I call it my, my MBA. Mm -hmm. Right. So whereas people are spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and I was like, yeah, let me try and talk to these people and provide them value. And hopefully they say yes to come on the show. Well, that's, that's so interesting. And and really a staple of of all your episodes, you you get to people's origin stories. So that's kind of where I wanted to flip the script, flip the mic and and talk to you about that is, you know, where, where does your love of the water come from? Is that something you were born into? Yeah. Um, my family has always been watermen. Mm -hmm. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side was a Gloucester fisherman. Um, so that's kind of 
where I got that from. You know, he's always been up in Massachusetts, and he's since passed away. But, you know, learning stories about the the Bruno Stoneman, you know, that he named it the Deliverance, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, going out to sea and learning about that, and then my mom's side, uh, she grew up in Potter's on Potter's Pond down in Matunic and in Rhode Island. So mm -hmm. having these two worlds collide, both my mom and dad, they've mm -hmm. always had a strong love for the environment, the outdoors, and especially the ocean. I mean, growing up in the ocean yeah. state, yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of hard not to love the water, right? Sure. Um, but yeah, from a very young age, there's a picture of me in my grandmother's fridge with uh, you know uh, me and my mom and and being on the boat right mm -hmm. and that's always kind of stuck with me and throughout my career I've kind of followed this path path of being on the water but grew up going and working at a uh, at a towing and salvage company uh, called Safe Sea mm -hmm. and I was I was I think 12 years old or so and I was washing boats waxing cars trucks mm -hmm. Uh, learning how to change the oil from this guy named Captain Casey, Andy. Love that. And, uh, and you know, I actually went recently and worked for the competitor when I got my license. And I still, Captain Captain Casey and I would actually, we'd, we'd hip up to each other, one red boat, one yellow boat, and we'd just, you know, talk and bullshit and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, man, I've been fortunate to, to work on the water for my entire career yeah. and uh, have continued to do so in some capacity. But you're, it comes through in the podcast, your, your love of being on the water, your respect for people that work the water. It's, it's really genuine. And that's, that's what makes, I think your podcast Thanks. strong. <laughs> so, and you're, one of the things that's interesting about you is you talk to all these people, such different jobs, but you've had so many different jobs yeah, in the yeah. marine space and you're a young guy. I mean, yep. so it's, I think some people have retired with far <laughs> less jobs than, than you had, uh, you know, one of. I don't know if this is one of the first ones, clearly not, but one of your early ones is you were actually training new boaters. Yeah. Is that right? Yep, yep. Can you tell me a little bit about what that experience was like? Yeah, so at the time, um, I was in college, and I think it was my junior year. And okay. the, the every, you know, every, there's winter break, right? So every winter break prior to that, I was always taking a class, trying mm -hmm. to get, you know, get a little bit ahead mm -hmm. and make sure that the next semester I wasn't, too, too crazy because I always worked, right? And at yeah. the time, I was working at a boatyard. And through the experience at a boatyard, I learned a lot. Full Keel Marine, Jonathan Mendes, been a mentor of mine, love yeah. John, and that that place right there. But, you know, sanding, painting bo boat bottoms, you know, working out in the cold all the time, like, it, it puts a lot of hair on your chest. It <laughs> makes you respect the hell out of people. Well said. Um, but I'm like, you know what? How can I do something a little bit more interesting, a little more dynamic? And so I was like, I'm going to get my captain's license. And Jonathan, who really pushed me to do that because he was a, a tugboat captain. He worked for Harley Marine out in San Francisco, was the eventually went from a, being a captain to the port, the port captain there. So wow. managing safety and whatnot for all of San Francisco Bay. Jeez. Right. So he really pushed me to get me to my, get the license. And the gentleman who I went to and got the license from, I did it all online, studied, took the test, passed. And uh, was fortunate enough to get my 100 ton with just the seat time that I had accrued. And right away, I actually got um, I got a job. He offered me a job. He's like, hey, what are you doing this summer? And mm -hmm. I was like, uh, I don't know. I was going to go try and work for the Newport Harbor Master or, or try and find something. Yeah. Right. And he's like, why don't you come work for me? I'm like, oh, crap. All right. Perfect. <laughs> I went from not being a captain yeah. five minutes later to now I'm a captain and I have a job. <laughs> so it was like. The quickest not to be a captain to being a captain, yeah. I think that's, in my opinion, that's ever happened, right? I was like, boom, done. All right, cool. Yeah, and since, like, the pirate days. Maybe yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. 
Um, and from there, you know, I was in charge of like helping write materials and teaching captains how to be captains. And, okay. you know, as a young captain, I was learning as I went. But what I really loved was teaching recreational boaters, you know, safety and, and you know, how to really enjoy the water. Because growing up, that's all I did, mm-hmm. right? And I really loved the ocean, loved being on the boat. And my favorite thing to do was actually taking people out and, and telling them fun facts about the water or mm. letting them grab the helm and, and learn how to drive. So I kind of learned prior to that, before even having that job, like how to really kind of manage someone and in, in learning how to drive a boat. Mm-hmm. And then when I had the opportunity to do so, I got to actually learn formally, like from guys who had been doing it for a long, long time, you mm-hmm. know. Tom McGinn from Providence Riverboat, uh, he was someone that hired me on to run the boats up in Providence for the water fire and mm-hmm. tours and super knowledgeable guy. And, you know, a guy named Tim Wardell, who I, you know, work with here and there still now, um, you know, all these guys really taught me good boating safety and I applied it to teaching other people. So that's kind of a long winded answer to, uh, you know, me working on the water and, and really starting by teaching people the basics, which to this day is probably one of my favorite things to do. I, I could totally see that, and that, that was a good answer. I mean, I'm thinking about all the new boaters that are entering the sport now and, mm-hmm. and the experience that you've had in, in helping teach and train so many new boaters. What's the If you can give one or two pieces of advice, the, the most important things you've learned from that experience that others can pick up on. Yeah, I think the best part, I think the most important thing to do is to keep in mind that slow is pro. And you don't want to go into a situation any faster than you'd want to hit it. Right. So if you're coming on the dock and you're doing a knot, maybe that's as, you know, perfect. Mm-hmm. If you hit the dock at a knot, you're going to scuff the gel coat. Mm-hmm. And then you take your thumb, you lick it, you wipe it off. Like, not a big deal. But I think more importantly, um, aside from like a really technical thing like going slow, just being patient, right? Mm-hmm. Patience is so, so important, right? Be patient when you're shifting and you're not grinding gears. Be patient when the boat is taking a little bit more time to get up to plane than you would you would think or coming to the dock or, you know, hell, even the crew, right? Be patient with people because they might not know how to tie a line or, yeah. you know, throw something to you or, or where to go or what ba- what's the difference between bow and aft and fore and port and starboard. Like, people are kind of, they just don't know, yeah. right? So I think patience is probably the the key to boating, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Plus, you enjoy it more. <laughs> well said. Another experience that you had that I think is really interesting is that you spent time as a CTO captain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, perfect segue because I think that job requires even another level of patience. Mm-hmm. So what what did you learn from that job? And, and perhaps more importantly, what do you want the boating public to know about CTO services or towing services? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So after I had... Um, you know, I, I moved out to Hawaii, did chartering out there, and then came back. Um, I was like, you know what? What's what's the next thing, right? Well, like, what can I do? And I had always thought that, you know, salvage and towing was kind of an interesting thing, right? Sure. You got these guys out there. They're doing, you know, kind of clan, not clandestine, but, you know, things that you wouldn't normally see if you're not out there, right? Yeah. I mean, even to this day, like I would listen to the radio all day, every day when I was when I was with CTO, mm. and you would just hear stuff that was happening, right? Whereas you and I, right now, there's someone getting towed out there, and mm. we have no idea, right? The Coast Guard's out there doing something, saving right, someone. Right. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, I think the most important thing to do when you're working with a towing provider or you know 
being out on the water and trying to have a safety mindset Mm -hmm. is to, again, be patient, right? Because things take longer than you think. Um, But just try and do your best to prevent it from happening, Mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, you know, a service like that is really just like insurance, right? The You want to be able to not use that, right? But if you have to, then it's there. Yeah. So I think really taking into consideration of like, what do I got for fuel, right? Nine times out of 10, fuel gauges on boats don't work. True. Like every boat from the best <laughs> built motor yacht from to- the, From the Ark <laughs> to a Viking. It's to a, a, <laughs> yeah, it does not matter. From a Bayliner to a Viking, <laughs> fuel gauges don't work, right? Un- unless you take, you know, diligent track of how much fuel, like- Putting fuel in the boat, you track it down, and then you know how much your run rate is, and then you finalize, like, okay, I probably have, you know, I went from 60 gallons to 55 gallons, right? Um, so knowing that is super important because majority of what we did was fuel drops, wow. right? Battery jumps, having a trickle charger on there. Like, all that stuff is super, super important. But then also having, like, spare tools on you. I mean, mm. even a Leatherman, right, will get you by in 90% of the situations, so just being more preventable mindset rather than just relying on, oh, I think it's going to work, and then going out on the boat. That's a great point about the tools, and I think the, the patience is important because I think so many boaters, and I think there's a, a misconception, especially with new boaters, that you know they're, they're so spoiled with AAA. You know, as you get to the side of the road, I'm going to call it AAA, they're going to get this solid from a – I mean, boats are boats. You know, you're going to finish one job. You're going to run quite a long ways. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you guys encountered a lot? Yeah, I mean, I always called it, like, AAA on the water, but with a little more danger. Yeah, um, seriously. Because you're right. Like, you know, when you're out on the water, when you're out on, on the road, right, and you break down, you just pull off to the side. Yeah, our highway is dangerous, of yeah. course. But usually there's a good median or a berm mm-hmm. that if you step out of the car, well, there's no fear of drowning, right? <laughs> right? And nine times out of ten, worst-case scenario, you can wave someone down pretty easy, mm-hmm. Right. Whereas when you're on the water, all those dangers get heightened, right? I mean, there's been situations where there's people in the water. you got to pull them out. Um, most of the time, you know, in, in no knock of any other services that are out there, you know, because the towing guys are out there all the time on standby, they're usually going to be the first ones on scene, okay. right? So we work with a lot of agencies, you know, law enforcement, Coast Guard, and, and just being able to – you know, have some sort of situational awareness about that is all part of the job. Um, But I think it's important for people to know that, right? So, you know, working with someone, whether it's, you know, Boat US or CETO um, or someone else down there, I think in Florida there's a few other agencies that that are around. It's just important to, you know, be patient, keep an open mind, and really keep it diligent, you know, be diligent on your boat, Mm -hmm. right? Don't just go out there blatantly. And if the weather's bad, don't go out. Like, there's no need for that. So, right. you know, safety is number one. Fun is always second. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, what I would preach to that. I, I got to feel like you'd probably be well suited for it because you're also dealing with people that are extremely stressed. Mm-hmm. They're probably, they're having a bad day almost yeah. 99.9% of the time. Yeah. Um, is there any advice you have for those boaters? Like, it's not just the hands-on stuff, but in, in trying to calm that stress level? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's definitely a component of, you know, dealing with someone mm-hmm. that is in a position that they don't want to be in. They're usually really uncomfortable. Yeah. And the majority of people that are in that situation are new or rookie boaters, right? Just because 
well, forgot to put fuel in the boat. Now you're floating out there, yeah. right? That's kind of a rookie mistake, yeah. right? Everyone has their bad days. Sure. But for the most part, that's a new boater. Right. Um, so to answer your question, you know, I think that when you're dealing with someone on scene and it's like, all right, how do I, how do I get this person to really like boating, right? Because at the end of the day, my goal was always to teach someone how to love the ocean. And mm-hmm. if that's on a boat, awesome. If that's on a surfboard, cool. Um, or even just going to the beach. But for someone to be out there and now they're kind of in a stressful situation, how do we get them back to baseline hmm. and, and enjoying it? Well, yeah. part of my strategy was like, hey, man, stuff happens, right? We're going to get you in, no problem. Um, you know, let's not do that again. And here are the tools to do so, yeah. right? Like, here's, here's what you did wrong, hmm. and here's what we can do to prevent that. So that was kind of always my approach to it. And, you know, of like course, you, you run into people that are drunk and incoherent. Mm. And those people shouldn't be on the water anyway, but you deal with that too. Sure. Well, you uh, going down your your long list of uh, interesting <laughs> careers. You uh, you also were maybe still are from time to time a delivery captain. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I'll, it's it's an opportunity that I never I I always like to take mm-hmm. right because for me it's what I loved about um, so far where I'm at is I've been able to do and be on a lot of different boats. Right, and there's different systems you got to learn, yeah. different people you're meeting, different personalities you're dealing with, um, and being you know doing deliveries has always been kind of a fun little side hustle, right? Mm. Apart from the full time job and along the keel and other things that I do, but yeah, I I, I d- I've done some deliveries down the Sound, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, some of the fun ones that I like to do are the lift ships. So in Newport, these big ships will come on and they'll pick boats up out of the water and put them on and then they'll deliver them south or through the Panama Canal. And I did one last year with my little brother. He was like acting as my mate. And it was this big Sea Ray sedan flybridge thing. Not it was it wasn't a Hinkley, <laughs> let's just say that. It wasn't it wasn't Enough amazing. Said. Um but it was fun because, you know, I'd never driven that exact boat. So yeah. every boat handles differently. Yeah. And you kinda gotta think a little bit differently and how you're gonna get untied from the dock to how you're going to depart and how it's going to perform. Yeah. So what was cool about it is you get up to this big lift ship, you you kind of go broadside to it, hip up to it, and all of a sudden, within a blink of an eye, there's divers in the water. They're like, you know, rigging the boat up to be lifted up, and then a Man. pilot boat comes up and they take you off, and you see this boat just get lifted up out of the water and put onto the onto the lift ship, and uh, you're like, man, that thing's going to California, and I just put like i just put it into the the beginning you started of started journey. journey right and, like, that's so cool to think about i always thought like oh man that's going through the panama canal around florida like up the coast like there's yeah. this massive journey that awaits this boat on another massive boat mm-hmm. and i was the one that kind of got to initiate it so those are always fun yeah. um and just kind of a unique thing that people don't really realize that even exists yeah um, most like all mar- maritime jobs i think people don't even understand what goes on at the water that does sound like a, a cool adventure. You know, wh- one of the things I was wondering, the delivery captains, it's, in some ways, it seems like the ultimate dream job. You know, mm-hmm. you're taking someone's boat down the coast. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions. What What's like the best and worst parts of being a delivery captain? I think it's uh, I think it's one of the same. Not knowing what the day is going to bring, as in like the systems, the boat, the not knowing who the owner is or, or how they keep that boat up to shape. Um, but also that's also part of the thing that's exciting about it. Right. Because at the same time you're, you're learning so much about how to think on your feet. Right. And 
and how to move with, you know, smooth, smooth is fast and fast is and being, well, I'm, I messed up <laughs> big time. I know what you meant. Smooth though. is fast, right? Yes. Yes. So like the more efficiencies you can build into your system of like, okay, I got my boat bag. I got my Leatherman. I got these, some zip ties, some extra tools. Yeah. I want to go on the boat, check the oil, check the fluids, check everything and kind of go through th- down this checklist mentally and then feel out the boat. You know, for me, I always like to meet the owner and kind of get a gauge of who they are, um, if possible. Mm-hmm. If not, like, you know, so be it, right? But I'm also someone that wants to build a relationship with that person rather than just deliver a boat and be done with it, mm-hmm. you know? So this boat that I delivered uh, last year down the Sound, a I think it was a 50-foot, uh, like, no, Sabre, 50-foot Sabre. Okay, Beautiful. Very nice boat. Yeah. yeah, I love that boat. Um, you know, cruised up, 22 knots, down the sound, gorgeous day. Mm-hmm. Brought my dad with me because why not, right? Yeah. And he's a free mate. <laughs> he handles, throws There's some There's a lines. theme here. Your brother, your dad. Hey, you know, it's a you are an trade, entrepreneur. <laughs> trade secret, you know? You got to get that margin somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I bought them both lunch, so. Deal. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think not knowing and, and, and learning from that is probably the most exciting part. Plus, it just makes you better with everything, you know, and being patient and, and coming into a situation, not knowing anything, be like, well, I guess we're going to figure it out. And then usually it, usually it works out, or if it doesn't, you learn from it, you know. It's so interesting. This could be a sidebar question because I was yeah. uh, I was working on this boat. We were putting a water system in a couple of weeks ago, and I had this conversation with my dad, and he was kind of talking about how different boat projects he's had mm-hmm. has helped create a problem solving mindset that mm-hmm. has really helped away from the away from the boat and away mm-hmm. away from the dock. Do you feel the same way? Hundred hundred and fifty percent. Like my time with Cito, mm-hmm. if I could take anything away from that job, now granted, being able to handle a boat. If you want to learn how to handle a boat, mm-hmm. go work for Cito. Mm-hmm. Like you will, your boating skills will go through the roof. Um, now, on the on the side note, like you mentioned, being able to troubleshoot yeah. was every single day, right? Whether it's on your own boat and trying to figure out, oh crap, one of the engines died and I got to get home, or it's on someone else's boat, right? I mean, even to the point where I go onto the boat, I ask a few questions, be like, huh, all right. Well, sounds like your battery's dead or something's disconnected. 90% of the time, Dan, people's battery cables aren't even attached to the battery <laughs> or they're loose, yeah. right? And I went, I like one one instance, I ran over there, was like, hey, you know, what's the battery state? He's like, I just put it in like this other thing. And like just putting your battery in means. Bingo. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, so you didn't put it in right. Okay, cool. And uh, sure as shit, drive down there, you grab my Leatherman, tighten up. And it w- literally wasn't even connected, you know? I'm just going to take a quick break. I'm just going to check my batteries real quick. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, but knowing how to, like, ask the question. Yeah. I mean, you're a journalist, so, like, you're really good at asking questions and, and leading that. Um, same thing on a boat when you're coming up to someone and being like, how do I figure this out? And yeah. then troubleshooting, as you mentioned, is mm. on a boat, everything's, everything's always about to break. <laughs> so... <laughs> trying to prevent that, but also figuring it out on, yeah. the, on the fly is like a super good skill to have. Mm. Yeah. Well said. So how did the podcast come to be? Now so we're transitioning. You got all this different yep. boating experience. It's uh, how, how do we make that leap into, into a storyteller? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a weird story. 
right? Yes, that's um, what we specialize in. Here. Yeah, yeah, we always specialize in here, <laughs> right? <laughs> Love it. Um, so I was, I was coming to college and was working as an instructor, both captain side and recreational side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, great experience, loved it, just wasn't wasn't jiving as well, right? So I was like, all right, let's make a change. And so with that in the back of my mind, I had met someone in college who I had just so happened to sit down to next to in an entrepreneurship class. Mm. And I've always been someone to have entrepreneurial tendencies. And the the kid that I sat next to, Ryan, also had entrepreneurial tendencies. Now, at the time, I was studying marine affairs at the University of Rhode Island, right? So still very much so boating, maritime, and that's, I love that. Like, that's Mm -hmm. an innate passion of mine. But entrepreneurship is something that I really love. Like, on the side, I had an Amazon business Mm -hmm. where I would go to, um, you guys guys don't have Joblot here, do you? No. No? No, but I know Um, of it. Yeah, so Joblot, which those that are listening, Joblot's kind of like the the knick-knack store, if you will, but it also surplus pretty much anything and everything. (laughs) You can buy a lot of black olives there. It's like uh, a mini BJ's or Costco, right? Yeah. You know, what I would do is I'd go into, into Ocean State Job Lot, and they had these cooling towels, right, that you wrap around your neck, and you, if, you're, if you're on a hot day at a construction site, like mm-hmm. those guys use them a lot. Yeah. And I would just buy them in bulk. I mean, I'd literally take a shopping cart, take my arm, and clear the entire shelf out, and I'd resell them on Amazon for a profit. I think I could make like a dollar twenty-five per one. But if you sell... 200 of them, like, that's, like, some good beer money, right? Yeah, sure. And Amazon, what you can do is it's called fulfillment by Amazon. So you can just ship them to them. They take care of everything. You just got to be the one that's, you know, looking at the margins, getting the product, and and connecting the dots, Mm -hmm. right? And to me, I was like, man, that's kind of cool, right? (laughs) And my buddy John kind of brought me onto it because he has a coffee company that's pretty much built on Amazon, and he still has that today, and yeah. he's always been a good mentor of mine, and Jonathan from Full Keel, always been a good mentor of mine, business owner. My dad had a small um, business promotional items company, and I've always kind of been surrounded by people that are entrepreneurial mindset. When I moved out to Hawaii to work as a captain, I moved out there with my friend Ryan just on a whim. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, I'm going to move somewhere. I go, Cool. All right. Let me know where you move. He goes, I'm thinking Arizona. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to Arizona. There's no water in Arizona. No. Next day he calls me up. He's like, I bought a ticket to Hawaii. I go, oh, man, I can go to Hawaii. So we ended up in Kona, um, and I worked for a company called Kona Snorkel Trips and also another company um, that was when I first started. And I literally went to the Marine store, which was kind of like their equivalent to West Marine, Mm -hmm. bought a six-pack of beer and put it on the desk and said, hey, who needs help around here? And uh, they were like, well, what do you want to do? And I go, I don't know. What do you got? And they pointed me in the right direction. And, you know, after working as a captain out there, you know, six, seven days a week, um, I was like, man, I'm kind of missing my entrepreneurial bug, right? Mm. So I was like, you know what? I kind of want to change it up. Let's start a podcast. And I had always listened to podcasts. Uh, How I Built This by Guy Raz uh, was a really big show that kind of drove me to do mm. it mike rose podcast yeah. um was another great show can't remember the the way i heard it is that's, that's what right. it was yeah. yeah great show and a few others barbell shrugged i really love fitness and health mm-hmm. and strength training and barbell shrugged was another inspiration so i tried to kind of mimic those shows and create a show that looked up to all the brands that i loved and yeah. all the people that i loved in the industry because at the time i didn't really see anyone doing that mm-hmm I was like, all right, well, if no one else is doing it, well, I guess I'll do it. 
you know, and that's how Alon McKeel kind of came to be. Very long-winded, roundabout way. It, but no, this was uh, that was an <laughs> honest version of the story. And yeah. I mean, how many episodes have you done so far? God, I want to say you're in the seventies. Yeah, so we launched officially eighty-two. Wow. Eighty-three will most likely be Power Motor Yacht and you, Dan. Excellent. And that's then, the, that's the can't miss one. Yep, you can't miss that one. And then in the hopper, I think I got about we'll have ninety pretty soon just because we have shows that are kind of in the in the backlog that I we mean, keep that's amazing i mean most people don't know in the in the podcast space to really achieve those kind of numbers is a real testament to you know resilience and mm-hmm. uh and dedication to it you're not you don't seem like the kind of person who dips his toe into anything <laughs> you just you just kind of jump into it yep uh i think uh, my family and my girlfriend have gotten to a point where they, they just know that's how i'm wired <laughs> well, well, that's a good thing was there any it must be you know, kind of like a parent picking a favorite child, but what was your favorite episode besides the one with Power and Marty at? Oh, well, obviously that's my favorite. Of course. Um, man, there's so many good episodes and so many bits and pieces from every episode that yeah. I take away. One episode that I think that I get a good takeaway from is Michael Sims hooking Gaff Watch Company. He Have you heard of them before? Have I have. seen them? Yeah. yeah. So Michael is a sup- just a very kind person, you know, super Southern, mm. Southern hospitality, good guy, went to Clemson, big into golf, but also has this extreme love for the outdoors and, mm. and fishing in particular. And uh, one thing that he mentioned to me right out of the gate was, you know, we're really building a brand to stand the test of time. No, no pun intended, right? But it, he's building a brand that lasts, right? Mm. So that's kind of – that was kind of his take on – being able to stick around to something, being resilient, but also creating something that people are wanting to come back to from year after year after year, right? Yeah. And something that actually is ingrained in the community, right? So kind of being on that pillar. And so that's one pillar that I kind of took away. Um, another one, Jetty, uh, Corey Higgins here in, in, in New Jersey, mm-hmm. right down the street from us. Uh, well, not down the street, but pretty close in the yeah. Northeast. Down 95. Yeah, down 95 away is. Um, he it took him 18 years to go full time with Jetty, right? I mean, it's an apparel company, correct? Apparel brand, yeah, yeah, yeah very surf beach kind of skate yeah. type. It's a great um, name. Yeah, Jetty's awesome. Yeah, so and their branding's great too. They That's do a cool. nice job. But 18 years, I mean, when you think about that, the resilience to that, and what I really took away from is he worked as a bartender, you know, throughout that time period, and he was paying his employees before he was paying himself, right? Like he was going, he, he didn't go full time until a couple of years ago. And up until that time, he was bar backing, bartending just to try and hustle, right? Now on the surface, you look at Jetty, you're like, wow, this is a brand that's great. Like they're big, they do events. Meanwhile, Corey is still, you know, bartending to make sure that his employees are treated right, right? Um, an, o- an overnight success in 18 oh, years, Yeah, right? overnight success. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Jeez. Uh, and I'm trying to think of a few other ones that I've enjoyed. You know, the recent one that we did with Chasing Tides um, that isn't out yet. They're a, they're a small, small startup magazine, mostly surf stuff. Mm. And we'd always talked with them on just partnering. And we never really came to a way that we could do it really well. And we started to do partnered shows like branding them and, and kind of co-branding shows together, which was fun because – I'd feed them guests for their magazine and articles, and they'd feed me guests for the podcast. And then that's now evolved into we actually had them on the show hmm. in lieu in um, lieu of their launch of uh, the Chasing Tides official magazine. So mm-hmm. that's coming out, I think, next week, and that one's a that one was a fun one too. But wow. 
be sure to check that one out. Yeah, yeah, I could keep going, but <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm sure it's always hard. Yeah. Always hard to pick when you're so invested in all of them. I'm yeah. sure. So we're gonna we're gonna take a little jog down. Uh, we take a sidebar here. Well, actually, two sidebars. Love it. One, you know, you are very passionate about Narragansett Bay. So yeah. let, we're just gonna riff here for a minute. <laughs> One of the best bodies of water anywhere. Hundred percent. Bar none. Yep. I mean, tell me. I mean, what what's it like having that as your background? Backyard. 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 Yeah. You. Um, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I wasn't able to go out on the bay. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to have parents that. Gave me a very, very, very long leash. Mm. Um, but they taught me a lot of, uh, you know, boating etiquette, safety. It wasn't just getting thrown in, yeah. right? It was, hey, this is how you drive, and this is how you're going to do it, because yeah. this is how you're going to stay safe, right? So always wearing your PFD, always mm-hmm. wearing your kill cord, like all these things that kind of get overlooked. Yeah. But when you're growing up, like they're super, super important, mm-hmm. you know? So at the time, the, the, the deal was um, if you want to take the boat out by yourself, any boat, you have to swim across the creek because we were fortunate. My parents, at when I was growing up, they bought this cool little piece of property. House was an absolute teardown. My mm. parents kind of pinched pennies together, scrapped things together to, to fix up the house, and it was really just bought for the property, mm. right? This was back a long, you know, ways, you know, a good time ago. And uh, there, there's this body of water on an estuary, and there's this little creek back there called Mill Creek in Wickford. And the, the idea was if you can swim across the creek without a life jacket or anything, you could take the boat. I was like, oh, crap. All right. I'm swimming across the creek. And wow. I did. And uh, I got free reign to a little dinghy boat that we had with a 9.9 Merc mm. on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was my, you know, every day after school when it wasn't obviously freezing cold or, you know, playing around in the kayak and paddling up and down the estuary and finding fish and crabs and quahogging. And when I... In the summers, we go down to my grandmother's place in Matunic, quahog the flats, fish, I mean, everything, you name it. Like, mm-hmm. just being fully enveloped in the waterway in and around Narragansett Bay. And Narragansett Bay is a special spot. I mean, you got Newport, Jamestown. Yeah. It's super historical. You know, there's there's stories of the 1920s when the rum runners were coming up the coast and the yeah. black duck, right? And the Coast yeah. Guard was chasing them. And just really neat stories like that all the way back to the Revolutionary War when the British came in and burned Newport Harbor to the ground and, you know, just crazy stuff like that. Yeah. So there's to- so much tradition here in, in Narragansett Bay, and it's just an incredible place to explore. Uh, could, couldn't say it better myself. I you know, only spent uh, three summers there, but, again, the diversity of places you can go to, it's all pretty protected, so you're never mm-hmm. really getting yourself in, into too much trouble. It, yep. uh yeah, it's a, it's a special place. We'll have to uh, we'll have to meet <laughs> up on on the water out there sometime soon. Absolutely. So on that sidebar, uh, what's your dream boat? What's my dream boat? If you have to pick, you have to pick one. Man, well, don't, I, don't say the Bertram Twenty Eight. Honestly, though, <laughs> yes, please say the Bertram Twenty Eight. I, I really, really like the Bertram Twenty Eight. <laughs> please go uh, on. <laughs> there was, yeah, Dan's like <laughs> salivating <Yes. laughs> over here. Um, you know, there there is that. I was talking about that show earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida Sportsman Project Dreamboat, which there was a point in time where I literally became obsessed with watching that show yeah, and just dreaming about, you know, rest- restoring a sea craft or, mm. or something. And, and my, my theory is, is if you're going to spend money on a boat, don't go buy a new one. The best thing you can do is buy an old classic hull, mm. restore it, pay someone to restore it, put new outboards on it, 
for a, a new engine, yeah. and then you have yourself a brand new boat. You know, like because the majority of hulls out there that are really well built are gonna stay well built, right? That's true. They're not gonna deteriorate overnight like that. Some boats nowadays, you're gonna drop seventy thousand dollars on a boat that is nowhere near the quality of a boat like that. Mm. You know, ver- versus get a new engine, and all of a sudden, boom, you get yourself a new boat, right? Because the majority of problems that happen with a boat are in the engine. You yeah. know, so. If you can't afford brand spanking new boat, mm. that's always the route that I tell people to go. But for me, um, man, I mean, I kind of want a fleet of boats. I, that's us- um, it's usually anyone who works on the water <laughs> is uh, has that answer. But no, we're gonna hold you to one. Right All now. right, hold me to one. Man, if it was like Dreamboat, I think a release would be pretty sweet. I mean, those things are badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're the way they're built is pretty incredible. The fit and finish is gorgeous, yeah. and. Uh, they're just a small build builder. My dream is to go and not buy one off a lot. Like I want to work with the founder on, you know, what boat, like what wood we're putting in the thing. What kind of, like, is it Kevlar, fiberglass, carbon fiber? Like I want to have a hand in it. I want to know the crap out of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to build a badass boat. Um, well, if they're, if they're listening, and they and they probably are, yeah. Power Morty Out Podcast, they'll, uh, <laughs> they'll have to reach out to you. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put my phone number in the description. <laughs> <laughs> we'll think. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Well, le- last last question. But what what are your goals for the podcast? It, it's come. It feels like such a a long way in in a short yeah. amount of time. But you know, you see, you're also not the kind of person that rests on his laurels. I mean, what is what what is the future of Along the Keel? Yeah. So the future of Along the Keels. Uh, it's been an interesting journey. It's evolved from just solely focusing on brands and whatnot and, and kind of telling their stories to focusing on brands, but also talking to people and industry leaders and, you know, talking with guys like yourself who, you know, you're not the founder of power motor yacht magazine, but you have a lot of, you have a lot of knowledge and, and can talk to certain topics. So I think that's certainly a part of the evolution is we're not going to just focus purely on brands. We're also going to get stories from the water, from the coastline, whether Mm. you're, a surfer, a paddler, a spear fisherman, a yacht captain, a ferry captain, doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And then also have this baseline of really talking about the brands around there because entrepreneurship is a huge component of what I love to do. So to that extent, you know, along the keel's gone through a few iterations. At first, we were just solely a podcast. Then the thought was, you know, let's do a business network. We talk to a lot of people, like how can we get these people together? Mm-hmm. And then it went from, all right, we're going to start doing online retail. You know, and we still kind of dabble in that. But I think what myself and, and Tyler, who's been here helping me and does a fantastic job, mm. we've kind of gone in the direction of really focusing on producing high-quality content for people to get inspired to come out on the coastline, mm. whether it's a surfboard, a, pa- a kayak, or a boat. doesn't matter what vessel you're going or just to walk to the beach. Um, creating content, creating a podcast that really embodies the whole lifestyle of living and breathing on the coast, mm. especially here in New England because that's our backyard. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of the, the future of Along the Keel. We're going to be super heavy on media content production. We work with a lot of brands now, too, mm-hmm. which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue to do that and kind of build our portfolio and grow. But the podcast is always going to be kind of our baby and continue to grow that and make it better and hopefully travel more. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did an in-person podcast here, which was awesome. So the more and more of those we can do, the yeah. better. Because you always get a better conversation. Absolutely. So, yeah. and and really, I got to say, it was it was an honor to be uh, to be on your yeah. episode <laughs> and and to chat and to get to know you a little bit better. 
uh, besides the podcast, which is probably available anywhere you listen mm-hmm. to podcasts, where else can people find you? Yeah, you know, all the usual spots, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, uh, also Waypoint. You know, Waypoint, you can find it mm-hmm. on Waypoint TV app as well as on the website. And then the best place to view anything that we got going on is our social channels, mm-hmm. uh, TikTok, which I recently started out of. Uh, you did. You made the plunge. I made the you, plunge. You, okay. I made the plunge. It's uh you know, we're growing that slowly but surely. Instagram, um, as well as Facebook, which Facebook is starting. I don't know. I don't really focus on Facebook. Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> Fair enough. What's uh, your, where they can find you on Instagram? Uh, they can find us at along the keel. And okay. then our website, sign up for our newsletter. You can subscribe to it on the homepage, along the And uh, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Well, I look forward to picking this conversation up uh, somewhere on Narragansett Bay on the water. Sounds good. All right. We'll thanks, see Zach. See you out the water. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the water. Devote.